0: welcome to
1: Clear on Life. How are you doing? Doing very well, Jaswal. Really honored and stoked to be here today.
0: Oh, so am I. Thank you so much for uh, joining me. And what do you think is purpose of life?
1: I think having clear life purpose is one of the best drugs on the block. Mm. It is an intoxicating experience to know why you exist and what you're using your life in service to.
0: You have a purpose. It's just I can just see it on your face.
1: Yeah, I... I do have a purpose. There's a very clear reason for my existence right now. And you know, it's cool is that there's so much mystery too. It's not like I'm like, yeah, I figured every element of my purpose out. You know, it's I am, you know, 35 years old, which in the grand scheme of my life is I'm still a baby. I'm right. still so incredibly naive of who you know, when looking back in 20 years. I'll think back, whoa, when I did that podcast with Jazzwall and I said I knew what my life purpose was, boy, was that kid completely unaware of the 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 things that were coming down the pipeline in the next 20 years.
0: Well, just so imagine the future Shane is listening in 20 years from now. What would you say to him right now?
1: Ooh, I would say, I uh, I hope you didn't stop dancing. I hope you kept your heart open. I hope that you continued to take measured risks, that you remained a student of the wondrous and mm. that you you really showed up for your life and that you, you didn't trade the one thing that is essential, which is your presence, for an illusion of some f- future fulfillment. So in some sense, kind
0: of... You know, what you value in life right now, probably like furthering it rather than losing track of that.
1: Is yeah. That- well, I mean, you know, it's beautiful is that I, I'm in a place in my life where it's not so much about massive reinventions, but it's about deepening the roots. You know, I already have some of the largest buckets of my world kind of full or, yeah. or rather uh, set up, mm-hmm. you know, I have the relationship of my dreams. I have an incredibly fulfilling marriage that has infinite capacity to evolve. You know, there's really good communication. There's a shared sense of we can, through intention, create whatever we want in our lives. And that we get to be in that conversation together. So I'm like, cool. I've got the relationship that can be the vehicle for the rest of my life. And maybe that's not going to last me the rest of my life. You know, maybe I die sooner than expected. Maybe she dies sooner than expected, and and a whole monkey wrench is thrown into the works. But that's also part of, you know, that's that's part of the package is the unexpected, mm, and
2: exactly.
1: we don't know. And so we have to have some sense of peace around that. But right now, while I'm alive and she's alive, we're each other's partners. And there's actually incredible freedom in that because, you know, anybody that's been in a long-term committed relationship probably knows what it's like to feel clear and feel that 100% commitment. And then also what it's like to not feel clear and to not feel 100% commitment. And there's two very different realities on either side of that equation. You know, 100% is just tremendous freedom.
0: Mm is that where you are you'd say
1: yeah yeah and Amazing. you know it's it's, re- it's funny because it's like i've i've gone in different p- waves throughout the relationship right. where it is 100% it's ah uh, it's the best thing ever to oh uh, crap okay well i'm 99% but ooh that 1% when there's that little bit of doubt that creeps in and then starts kind of worming its way into your brain and then you kind of like yeah well crap maybe i need to pay attention to that and then just recently was reminded of oh yeah, she's my woman, and mm. boom, all of a sudden it just is like hanging out in neutral and just kind of or spinning wheels and you're like what the hell's going on and then that clarity allows you to just move into first second third fourth fifth and boom forward and you're moving together mm. and it's, it's a mm. it's a really good experience because it allows me to continue to know that it's okay to question things it's okay to have doubts and i also have a, a easier path back to that 100% devotion
0: hmm, hmm. wow I mean, that's, that's like an ideal dream connection relationship with someone and you have it. And congratulations, uh, you're going to have a little baby girl. Yeah, soon. yeah. We've
1: got a kid on the way, which nice. is, you know, undoubtedly part of my naivete of the current <laughs> moment of my life is that I'll be like, wow, I had no idea that my purpose was actually to be of service to this kid. You know, right. I, and intellectually, I get that right now. <laughs> Okay, cool. I'm gonna devote myself to the flourishing of my progeny, mm-hmm. but uh, it's an intellectual exercise. And and what's so beautiful is that I was like, great, like thank goodness I don't know what the next two decades will bring, because mm-hmm. I would then be trying to conform the infinite universe, the trillions of stars and galaxies out in the ether and say what i think is what's possible and it's so much bigger than my little brain and it's <laughs> one, so one of the secrets of my life has been to like let go of what i think i need and what i think i know right in exchange for a much bigger world
0: so let's let's go into that what you think you need and what you need to let go so do you have an example of are you talking about ideas of how life should be and then gi- giving into that or, or like giving up on it or what do you well,
1: think you know it's it's always a weird thing because usually what we think we need is coming from some root of fear most of us are operating with a, a pretty large kind of tap root that's still rooted in fear consciousness. Right. And so often we think, oh, well I need a million dollars. And if you actually dig into that and you start to inquire into a deeper, you know, well, why do you really need a million dollars? It often is actually rooted in fear or I want to be this person or I want to accomplish this in my career. I want to have this kind of relationship. I want to travel to these places. Often, I mean sometimes there's authentic desires there for sure. I mean we're full of authentic desires, but then we're also rooted in or we we also have a lot of egoic and fear-based desires. And so I think that as we start to become intentional in our life and we can start making better prayers, better intentions, it often will come through in ways that were not at all what we were expecting. You know, I remember this one time at Burning Man. It was uh, it's going on, I guess, about eleven years ago, mm. and I was deep into Jed McKenna books. Which, if you haven't read those, they're they're a really wild ride through awakening, mm. and I was kind of uh, kind of inspired that year, and I. Took all of the journals, all of the early life memorabilia, you know, 100 concert tickets, and all the journals I wrote in as a teenager, and anything that could kind of represent some of my biographical information right, of my identity of my past. And I bundled it all together, and I wrapped it in a snakeskin from one of my snakes that had shed its skin. And I took it to the temple, and I plopped it down, and I wrote in big black Sharpie, I declare spiritual warfare on my false self.
0: Dang. That's that's quite an intention.
1: And, <laughs> you know, partied my ass off. It was the it was an incredible burn. It was like a really when I discovered that I was a dancer, that you know, watching the sunrise and dancing all night lit something up inside of me and it was this ecstatic burn. And then I got back and my entire life fell apart. You know, just a nuclear bomb. What happened? I lost all of my income. A Devastating breakup. You know, the first breakup of my life where it felt like I got, like, my heart carved out with a dagger thrown in the gutter and Ooh. then pissed on.
0: I've been there. Ooh, feel you, oh. man.
1: <laughs> and... You know, and it really led to a bit of a, about a year and a half of A Dark Night of the Soul, of really going into deeper and deeper shadow. And you were 25, about? Yeah, about 25, yeah, 25. Okay. And it was, there's no way that I would have made that intention had I known the disaster that would follow. But that means
0: that you made that intention and the disaster followed because of it. Is that, is that...
1: Well, you can't always, you know, you can't explain any of this stuff. You can't prove that I, that making the declaration of, I declare spiritual warfare on my false self led to a collapsing of the systems and structures in my life that were no longer serving me and that were ready to die. Mm. But I, I know that they were connected. Mm. You know, there's no, there's not a part of me that wonders, Oh, I made that intention and then this happened. And you know, so part of that is also, again, like trusting that we are very capable of influencing our reality, that consciousness creates reality. Which is a whole other rabbit hole that we can go down. Yeah, but but you know, and it's these things where we we kind of hear that, and maybe we think that's true, and but we also are still pretty steeped in a materialistic paradigm where the universe actually is what's r- the real thing, and my brains is producing consciousness, and you know, and, and so it's kind of this like eh, I kind of believe that stuff, but really I don't know. And I think that's part of the journey of purpose also that's been for me, at least, is, is really realizing that, no, this is, this is real. There are operating principles of how consciousness influences reality. And, and so that process, I would never have wished for it. I didn't want to go through that hardship. And yet, it is the absolutely best thing that could have happened. Mm. how it set me up for then going through the hero's journey and the death and rebirth and the rediscovery of, of hidden assumptions that were, that I was using to kind of guide my life. it, it, It all burned to the ground. And in that blank slate, a, a different thing was able to emerge, which is now I, I recognize as the seeds of my current life.
0: So, so let's rewind for a second. because uh, so, so going back to Burning Man, where you, you had this intentional thing that you burned, where, where you just went to the temple, and, and it, it was burned down on the burn night, right? What led to that? Because a lot, uh, I'm curious how you got to that point. Where was was this just one little idea in this guy? Hey, I think I'm going to be intentional. I'm going to just go do this. Or what was it? Was it a culmination of things, or was it a person? Yeah, or? it was the
1: culmination of my entire life <laughs> up to <till> then. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, you know, and I say that jokingly, but it's also very true. Yeah, and you know, I think that it, it's it's the result of you know studying uh, consciousness from a very young age of hmm. of being having an intuition that there's something deeper going on than what the mainstream status quo agreement is.
0: Because I'm interested in two things there. One is the actual having intentions and having an intentional life and going through a process that you went through. That can be useful for a lot of people. But I'm also interested in the meta is how does someone who, let's say, doesn't have this insight at some point, you know, how do they approach this? If they hear this, you know, maybe they haven't read all the books and they haven't had time or whatever the reason is. How, how do, how do you light that spark from within?
1: Yeah, well, well that's not necessarily everybody's spark, you know, and that's one of the beauties and one of the things that I'm, I'm clearer on than ever is that we all have very different paths. Mm. You know, if, if you feel a, a yearning in your chest that there is something deeper that there is something beyond the superficial layer of life, that there is a greater mystery happening, and that it is possible to know the underbelly of that mystery. If you don't already have that, then celebrate that, you know, enjoy it. It's not like it's a ideal thing to have. It can be a maddening quest for truth. And often it remains unfulfilled you know, just because you seek does not mean you will find. And there are people that aren't driven by that seeking, and that their their path is going to look differently. Right. And, you know, that's the thing, that's the really pain in the ass around purpose, and finding the, the deep sense of what is my essence? What is it that actually Uh, brings all of my being to the table so that I can live a fully fulfilled life in all dimensions, it's going to be very different for every person. There's maybe common themes. Maybe there's some things you can recycle, some lessons you can recycle from other people, but it's, it's something that we have to do on our own.
0: There's this inquiry in there, that you, you know, you asked these questions. What is my essence? What's my life about? And I think that's something probably common to a lot of people who are potentially listening to this. And I, for example, have this, you know, I'm upon something, I don't know what it is. It's just, it's, it's as you described it, you know, it's, it's just ephemeral, it's just below the surface, just right there, can't point to it, can't get a handle on it, and just bugs me to no end. You know, and I'm there and I don't even know like exactly what to do at this point with it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Like, yeah, it's it's maddening. I mean, like, think about how freer you would be without that. Oh my God. (laughs) (laughs) You could just like, cool, I'm going to just go about life and actually be happy. Yeah. I mean, hopefully you would be happy too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That was me like about five years ago. Yeah. You know, yeah. Just totally go with the flow, just enjoying it. And then suddenly just, you know. Something felt like it was missing, and lack of sleep, and just lots of thoughts and ideas, and just circling around this vast unknown, which is still—it's—it's become clearer a little bit, but it's—it's just been asking a lot of questions, you know, and it's still not very clear. So, so I just love hearing stories. I I love hearing your story in particular here about how you you just—you know—there's this sharpness to the set of actions you took at Burning Man that year. Yeah.
1: You know, and and, I mean, the wild thing for me is that I spent my 20s, better part of my 20s, really pursuing, you know, a path less traveled. I kind of burned my career to the ground. I was kind of like, all right, well, I don't know. I, through a combination of both professional insecurity, of feeling like, I don't know, I don't think I'm just, I don't think I'm just that good at work. You know, there's these other domains that I feel really good at, and I'm going to go into those. Right. And so spent a lot of my 20s kind of exploring a lot of the transformational underbelly of the Bay Area Mm. and finding these things in these communities and these programs that really spoke to my constant impulse for expansion, for transformation, for connection, for deeper relationship. And I spent a lot of my time in those communities and it was kind of cool, but it was also confusing because I was like, I really love this stuff and how the fuck is this going to translate into paying my rent? Right. And, (laughs) you know, sitting here now, you know, 11, 12 years later, it's, you know, I had no idea what was going to happen in the last decade. You know, eight years ago got uh, kind of, looped into through serendipity into starting a technology company. And now, you know, I'm the chief culture officer of a hyper growth startup where we're, you know, where we just tripled our headcount the last year. We went from 70 employees to 200 right now or, you know, having this really cool mission. But there's no way that if you had told me 10 years ago that I would be a founder of a tech company, Now, I would have been like, you're insane. You're totally smoking DMT or something. Right, (laughs) And, you know, and and so it's, again, that's, and that's what I mean about when we start to pray, we start to ask for our intention, for for our purpose to be revealed, you better be ready to be surprised. Mm, mm. You better be willing to let go of the way you think it was going to be and actually allow what is happening.
0: Prayer and intention are they um, the same thing for you? or are they? Is there a distinction between them? Yeah,
1: you know, I mean, it's an interesting thing because you know, prayer is off is, is so loaded. It's such a loaded word, yeah. and people are like, "All I wanted was you know a fulfilling career." Now, you know, Jesus is in the middle of this, and because you know, like I'm like, "Oh yeah, right." Like people have all these religious connotations, and maybe it's positive, maybe it's negative. You know, I didn't grow up religious, and so it, it doesn't have that baggage for me, but. When I say prayer, I think that it really is talking about getting in connection to not just intention, because intention is a little different. Intention is, I'm going to have a a great day. And I really think of prayer as more of, please help me have a great day.
2: Mm. Mm.
1: Prayer is an asking for assistance. And whether you relate that to God or a universe that is listening you know, there's all kinds of interesting distinctions. And we, that's another thing that it has to be our own individual journey. But I will say that learning how to ask for help is an essential path of not having to carry your entire life on your own shoulders.
0: Yeah. And that's, uh, that's a, that's been a big lesson for me. And it's, 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 it, it was, it took a while because it, it was always, uh, you know, like when I, when I heard about Hero's Journey and, you know, you hear about these stories, success stories in the Bay and it's just like this one person just did it on their own and just got there and self-made and, you know, you don't hear about... The hundreds of people that probably assisted that person one way or another, whether they knew them or not, you know, and kind people and kindness and whatever in the universe came together. Right. Not,
1: not to mention all of the socioeconomic privileges that that person might have, exactly. and the, the ways that, you know, being a white male has put me into the front of the classroom so that mm. it's actually easier to suddenly find myself as a co-founder of a tech company, you know, mm. all those things are a part of it and yet you can't reduce they it's dangerous to reduce the whole thing to a single ingredient right and i think i think people falter there too of like oh well you were you it's your white privilege that allowed those things yeah yeah probably to a, a good extent and you know it's it's i'm convinced it's more complex Oh, me too.
0: That. Yeah, yeah. I mean, just talking with you right now and knowing you for a while, it's, it's definitely not just white privilege, but let's acknowledge that that's there. And it's great to acknowledge that because then use it to the advantage yeah, you can. Totally, totally. totally. Yeah. I mean,
1: you know, it's, I grew up as a white minority in Northern New Mexico. Mm. And so I grew up around a predominantly Chicano and Native American population. And so it was like, I spent my youth running from getting beaten up because mm. I was white.
2: Mm.
1: You know, it's was like, it wasn't actually till I moved to the Bay Area that the white privilege started to kick in a little bit. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. I'm not <laughs> like, you know, terrified out of my mind and getting verbally assaulted on mm. a regular basis. Not that that's all it was. There was a lot of of harmony in the tricultural dynamic of Northern New Mexico. But it's, you know, it's an interesting experience because... It has given me more of a sense of what it, it feels like to not belong.
0: Right. And and it's, you know, what's interesting is that takes me to this whole idea of, you know, your basic needs, need for safety, not getting beat up when you walk out the door, you know, when you don't have to think about those things, then you can then potentially be in a place to create and then exercise
1: that creativity. Absolutely. You know, you look at Maslow's hierarchy of needs and self-actualization is preceded by some very important things like belonging and esteem. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. a part of my purpose to just actually speak to what my purpose is, is to create high performing organizations by helping people become their best selves. Hmm. And, that, and so to break what that means a little bit, break down what that means a little bit, is that companies have a really unique opportunity to create a deeper sense of belonging, to provide opportunities to cultivate esteem, that instead of just providing the bottom two rungs of Maslow's hierarchy of needs so that you have physical safety and a paycheck – You can actually create the conditions where your company becomes a valid pathway for self-actualization for every single person inside of it. And what happens to the creativity of your company, your organization, when you're able to do that is phenomenal. All of a sudden the bandwidth that is occupied by covering your ass can be utilized and redirected towards creativity and execution and innovation.
0: Wow. So is this this idea was is this something that you were inspired to put into the company because of your life, or how did this come to be?
1: Yeah, so it's absolutely been a been deeply drawn upon from my own journey. Mm. And also from my co-founder's journey, David Hassel. And what's cool is that it has also been an iteration. It's always been there. And yet, you know, over the last eight years. We've been slowly chipping away and refining it, and tweaking it, mutating the purpose. It's always been there, mm. but it's now clearer than it's ever been. Mm. Okay. And why purpose is so powerful is that it acts as a as a true north. It acts as the magnet to the iron filings, and you have that ideal. You have that vision. And it starts to rearrange your life. It starts having you make different decisions. You, you start turning left instead of turning right based on the ideal that you are aspiring towards. Hmm. And, and yeah, if I hadn't taken those that decade to explore my own personal development, to explore relationships and community, and how do you create intimacy in a room? How do you get people to move into high levels of vulnerability and high levels of trust? in a matter of 30 to 60 minutes, if I hadn't gone through a lot of communication training and gone through my coaching training and learning NLP and learning some of these models of consciousness, I would not have done the same things I would have, I did do in building this company. And so it's really, um, it's, it, it just endlessly delights me and blows my mind that all the things I did that I thought were, somewhat irresponsible from a career financial perspective are indeed the very things that have allowed me to create a distinctively different kind of company culture. And, you know, some of the results we've gotten are in eight years, we've had five people voluntarily leave. Only two of those were for other jobs, which for the industry is insanely low. We just won uh, number three best place to work on Glassdoor. Mm for companies under a thousand employees and so we're winning all these awards we were just on inc best places to work award as well and people come into the company and they are amazed because it it's unlike anything they've ever experienced before and all it is is me bringing these not just me but me helping shepherd and encourage these interpersonal technologies these ways of communicating these ra- ways of relating of us taking a stand of saying yes we want you to come in and be a part of the fulfillment of the vision of this company. But we also want this company to be a part of the fulfillment of your purpose. And most people don't know their purpose. And so then you start setting it up to help people start asking these questions, start digging a little deeper into, well, what what do they really want? Why are they here? What is the the silent... Voice inside of their heart, saying to them,
0: "Is this like a structured way of?" So it sounds like you're, there's a lot of inquiry that happens once people are part of fifteen five, and through this, maybe there's some clarity over time. And so, is is this a structured process that you take people
1: through? A yes and no. Like you know, there's there's a lot of structured process, and there's also giving permission. There's, there's a context that what, you know, part of why we are at this company is to be and become our best selves. And that means different things for different people. But part of that is a lot of introspection, reflection, prospection, thinking about the past, thinking about the present, thinking about the future. Mm. And so it's things like strengths discovery, really understanding what are your actual strengths and then how can you invest in them and turn them into superpowers, into your zone of genius There's personal goal life, uh, personal goal setting, you know, so once a year at our annual company retreat, we take a couple of hours to help lead people through a process of getting clear of what their ideal life is. What do they really want out of life and documenting that creating goals, creating an inspiring vision that can pull them into the future. And there's ongoing opportunities, you know, like we'll outsource some of this stuff. We make, we buy people, you know, their access to, you know, landmark education, for instance, we'll, we'll pay for somebody to go to the forum though, you know, and that's very, not a mandatory thing. It's just a, Hey, if you want to do that, this has been a big piece of our path. That's been very helpful. And here's an, uh, here's an opportunity we, this year. We decided to buy everybody's first ticket to Burning Man. Oh, Nice. Because, you know, me and my co-founder were like, all right, cool. We're in the business of helping create transformation for our employees. What is one of the most transformational experiences that we've ever been to? It's fucking Burning Man. Let's buy tickets for them. <laughs> and, you know, and it's hilarious because we did this program and then, you know, the press caught wind of it. And all of a sudden, you know, I have this like feature length interview in Inc. and in Bloomberg and Business Times. And we got shit loads of press around it. And and you know, and it's a fine walk, line to walk. Of like, tech companies sends their people to Burning Man, and everyone's like, you know, trying to get the dirt on, on it. Yeah. And I think I did a pretty good job of navigating that fine line. But it is a perfect example of when we're willing to be different, when we're willing to stray from the the typical course, we we stand out. And that that's, that's a very good thing. That is how we can break away from all the noise and get some signal through.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, I remember seeing that article and it was like, what, this is so, such a great idea. And, and so speaking of landmark, i about to do the advanced course Excellent. next week. Yeah. Yeah. Did the, the first, the forum about a month ago and Granted, it's ex- like the culture is, it feels like uh, the aesthetics feel like stuck in the late nineties, but you know, and the salesiness, but other than that, man, yeah, yeah. That my, thing is my advice powerful. is,
1: you know, take the best, leave the, the rest. Exactly. It's like, yeah. get in, get out. Yeah. And that's, and I think people who be like, oh, well, I don't want to be exposed to any of the like hard sale of it. Miss out on the good on the gems that you can get from something like that. Oh, fully
0: agree. It took me about a day and a half to you know get over myself and actually say, you know what? What about if I just go in there and get what I want to get? Yeah, I I
1: walked out of my first introduction to it. I was like, screw this crap. I don't need this. Yeah, (laughs) and you know it. it, You know, landmark was a huge piece of my path. It actually Mm. was the precondition for me. Or, or it, it set me up to have the relationship that I have now.
0: Okay. So, so let me take you back just, just so that I can tie some of these things together. Going back to your personal journey for a bit. And you talked about relationships and we were talking about before we started recording about, you know, responsibilities and all of that. I want to get there too. But before that, relationships, what else would you say complete that stack for you where you feel like, uh, okay. I'm, I'm in a place where it feels good.
1: Yeah, sure. Uh, So clarity of purpose around uh, career and finance, you know, which are really big pieces to get, you know, a sense of directional rightness with Mm
2: -hmm. that.
1: My career is moving in the right direction. You know, like I have the best job in the world, right? I, I get to create incredible cultures
0: and you didn't just get there by saying one day at burning man like i'm going to get there this was a discovery path yeah process.
1: this was a this is a long circuitous winding non-linear path you know i've done so many random ass jobs i've i've tried a lot of different hats on for a year at a time mm. and
0: it, even at 155
1: or was it to some extent at 155 yeah for with 155 i was a vp of customer success for most of my my time got there. it and it's only in the last 18 months that it was like oh click chief culture officer i get to get to run our internal culture full time and get to go out and evangelize and talk about culture and the talk about best self management which is managing people so that they can become better versions of themselves.
0: Hmm.
1: And once I made that transition, it was like, ah, that is what alignment feels like.
0: I hit the spot.
1: It's like, click, click, click. Uh,
0: uh.
1: And it's really interesting that, you know, there's other things. I I basically leveraged uh, the gene keys, which we've talked a little bit about before and my own hologenetic profile in order to reinvent my role inside of the company you know, because in your profile, you start to see things like your vocation and your life's work and like line two, like I'm a line two in my vocation, which, you know, for people who don't know the gene keys is all going to be gobbledygook, but (laughs) you go in and and deeply contemplate that. And it was like, Oh wow. Okay. So I'm a 50th gene key in my vocation and line two, which is the gift is equilibrium and harmony. Mm -hmm. And line two is marketing and so it's like, I need to go and basically promote organizational harmony. That is my vocation in life. And I'm like, fuck yeah, it is. Yeah. That's always been what I've been doing. And yet getting the clarity around that really actually has helped me fully step into it and own it and, and have the clarity to continue developing this path.
0: How were you and how was life- before you had that clarity.
1: Yeah, well, you know, when we're when we're doing things that aren't in alignment with our purpose, it's draining. And it, now it, it's it's there's a lot of interesting distinctions here because we also don't want to be operating from a fixed mindset, which you know, I don't know if you know Carol Dweck's research on uh, fixed versus growth mindsets. A little bit. But, yeah. you know, a fixed mindset is that I'm as smart as I'll ever be. Or I'm as good at math as I'll ever be, and so therefore I should never try to get better at math. And a growth mindset is, oh yeah, intelligence and skills and abilities are variable traits, and the amount of effort you put into it determines what you're going to get. And right. so I'm maybe I'm not that great at math, but if I go take some math classes and get some tutors and put in effort, I will, continue, I will get better, and then from there I can get better, and it can get better and get better. And so we don't want to use a little bit of what I'm going to say as an excuse to justify our fixed mindset.
0: Totally. Yeah. Yeah. But I think, I think the, the reason I asked this was because it it might help people map, get a, absolutely kind of get a map of where they are based on what they're hearing another report of someone who's been there.
1: Absolutely. And so, you know, a really bad use of my time is handling is, is o- the operational details of running customer success mm. and trying to create spreadsheets to predict our annualized churn. and really looking at, okay, you know, what is the right formula for the number of customers and which segments and what the ARR of those customers are and what level of CSM needs to be dedicated to each segment. And, you know, I was doing that stuff and I was doing it passably, but it wasn't, it was usually riddled with some of my insecurity and not feeling like, fuck yeah, I love this. Mm. You know, we talk about zone of excellence and zone of genius and that in your zone of excellence, you can do something pretty well and you might even build a career out of it, but it doesn't actually give you energy. You do it. And it's just this slow degradation of your optimism and your inspiration and your energy zone of genius is you do it and it actually gives you energy. It might be yeah, tough yeah. as shit, yeah, but you you end the day feeling well used right, and that is a that is a journey to discover your zone of genius, and so for me, it's like when i you know for all of the the things that I've done in my in my weird ass random career that I've had, I can look of oh. Those were the moments when I was in my zone of genius, and those were the moments when I was fighting against the way that I'm wired.
0: Right. Yeah, the way you're wired. Yeah, that's that's a good concept to have. A lot of people don't think of that, you know, because it's it's almost, I, I think there's a very self-defeating way of looking at life sometimes. And I've been, uh, you know, a victim of that in the past, where I'm not good, I'm not worthy, I'll have to work X, Y, and Z things and just go through this and suffer to make myself like, you know, my, my existence be like somehow worthy of happening. (laughs) Yeah. And I think that's how
1: most of us are conditioned. Yeah. Yeah. Like that's generally the consensus. And we're also very trained to focus on our weakness. Mm -hmm. You know, we, we, as children, we come home with a report card and we got four A's and we got one D. Right. Where's the conversation going to go? Oh yeah. The A's are going to be glanced over yeah. and all attention's going to be paid to the D and how do you fix the D? Right. Well, you know what? I suck at math and I tortured myself in high school around that. Mm. And I don't use math in my fucking job ever. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and it's the greatest fucking thing. It is so goddamn good that I I get to do what I am really good at and get mm. incredible results mm. and do things that nobody else can do as good as me. Mm. Mm. And I get to know that and trust that and leverage that. And that feeds you too. And it and it lights me up again mm. and again. I get to I get to fall I'm I'm more in love with Building this company than I was eight years ago when we first started it. Mm.
0: So, so going there for a second, when when you first started, and it sounded like uh, you know, it's not like you had planned all of this, you know, in a grand way. You, you started this. What what was the what's the scene? Can you paint the picture a little bit? Like where were you in life, and and then this suddenly comes along.
1: Yeah, sure. So after you know five years of going through every transformational course you can get your hands on in the Bay area. This is
0: between burning man that this is.
1: So I mean, just like real, so grew up in New Mexico, Mm -hmm. moved to New York when I was 20, fell in love with an heiress, moved in with her in Manhattan, never having been to New York before left my like $500 shit. Toyota Corolla with like 230,000 miles on it Mm. to my brother moved to Manhattan, had a crazy two years, of rapid expansion into the world and that journey. I worked at Air America Radio with Bobby Kennedy Jr. You know, all this wild stuff happened in those two years. Moved to the Bay Area and, you know, we broke up actually. Me and my partner broke up because I read The Ethical Slut. Uh, And she was like, nope, over. (laughs) And (laughs) I moved to the Bay Area. I get a job in clean tech, private equity. You know, talk about just horrible alignment of my strengths. So I was doing quantitative analysis on all these clean tech funds. Why were they hired? Were you like, I I somehow hustled my way into that job. I (laughs) I have no idea why they hired me. Is
0: that typically for data scientists or something?
1: No, I mean, I was an associate, so I was doing a bunch of grunt work for, for financial analysis I of, it was a broker dealer fund. And so, Pairing investors with clean tech funds. This was mm. you know 07, right before the crash, mm. and you know and simultaneously I uh, was like just moved to the Bay, discovered one taste, and there's this there and, and so about a year after I moved to the Bay, I got fired from the clean tech job. Mm. Thank goodness mm. they should have fired me like what was what eight was their reason? Ago. I just wasn't doing good. It was like <laughs> they liked me, but I just wasn't performing. I would, uh, I would like. You know, you know, it was, it was it was a lot of heavy quant analysis in Excel, and I would go to lunch, being like, oh, I hate this so much. I would eat two specialties cookies, which are like a quarter pound cookie each. Oh my god! I'd go back upstairs and then just feel that that you know hundred pound eyelid. Oh yeah, and just. Just feel so terrified of like, oh, no, I hate this so much. <laughs> Try to go like sneak a nap on the couch in the conference room, terrified of them finding me. It just wasn't a... Oh, my God. I just was not okay. in my zone of genius.
0: So super awesome thing. You got fired there.
1: Uh, so in a week, I I got fired. I finished my bachelor's degree because I basically dropped out of college to move to New York. And then... Went to Burning Man and moved into One Taste all in a week. Um uh,
0: wait, One
1: Taste New York or San Francisco? San Francisco. San Francisco. Yeah. And this is like the old school warehouse when there was fifty of us and fifty of us in a single room mm. living in a warehouse in Soma. And you know, it was a very different exploration and it's funny because that was actually where i started to discover more of what i would realize was more zone of genius and no not oming but connection
0: (laughs) (laughs) for those of you who don't know oming yes so
1: so one taste is this was this wild freaky community in the bay area it in the last decade, it kind of had a, it, it had grew a lot. Of yeah, controversies. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. And riddled with controversy, kind of a cult of personality, yeah. and some really interesting ideas behind mm-hmm. it. Mm-hmm. And it was all basically centered around can we create human development and evolution through orgasm? Through expanded, massive orgasm, can a, you create a, an experience of people growing and, and becoming a different version of themselves. Mm. And, and a lot of it was based around a lot of communication practices and connection exercises. And it was kind of in the heyday of the transformational intentional communities of the Bay area. Yeah. You know, it was like right when authentic world was really at its peak which was kind of a sister community, a little less focused on sexuality, a little more focused on relationships. And we were hosting all these events and conferences and workshops in the space. You know, living in a warehouse with fifty other people with no walls, exploring orgasm. You know, I mean, you know, not <laughs> many people have experienced that. Right. Yeah. And yeah. and that's part of what I mean of like, I was like, holy shit, this is a way more interesting path. Than quantitative analysis, yeah, on yeah. investment funds, totally. And <laughs> how the fuck am I going to pay rent? <sighs> and so you know, so there was about there's about a four year period mm. where I was deep in that kind of a world. And so it was workshops and conferences, pretty much every weekend, at least two weekends every month. I was in some kind of transformational workshop. That led into. Uh, actually, meeting one of my mentors, and who really trained me as a coach. Because what do you do after you do four years of transformational work? You become a coach, yeah. like everyone else in the <laughs> Bay Area. Yeah, and and it was coaching was really actually one of the first areas of my life, the first kind of career that I tried on mm-hmm. that. And, you know, it's so funny because I think back of, like, the amount of anxiety I had around, like, career and purpose when I was 24. Right. And it's kind of like, chill the fuck out and enjoy life. Yeah. Like, trust that journey. Yeah. You know, if I could give advice to myself, it's like, trust the process. Yeah. It's all going to work out. But live, like, trust what you're doing. You don't see how it's going to lead to everything, but but it is going to. Like, take the path less traveled. Mm. I would just encourage my younger self. Mm, mm, mm. Have some so, faith in the process. Yeah, have yeah. some faith in the process. Yeah. And so I discovered coaching. I discovered neuro-linguistic programming. And I fell in love with it because it was finally this way of synthesizing all the things that I had done. And then actually being in service to other people. Helping create breakthrough and shifts for others. And I was like, click, click boom, love it. And, and so I did that for quite a few years Mm. and, you know, was in the grind of building my own solo practice and building a decent word of mouth clientele and moving into business coaching, coaching startups, starting to, you know, I facilitated a lot of founder divorces. I started like understanding what are the, the cracks in culture? Why do, why do companies fail, not just from a product market fit, but because of relational failure. Mm. But most business failure I learned is relational failure,
0: mm.
1: people failure.
0: And and this was happening around 2010, 2011? Yeah. Okay. Exactly. Got it.
1: Yeah. Tw- between 2008 and 2012 uh-huh. was when I was in the full swing of my coaching, coaching. section okay. of my life. Mm. Okay. And so... That was really fascinating because I got to, you know, part of becoming a coach is receiving a shitload of coaching
2: mm.
1: for anyone that's gone that that path. They know what I mean. Right. And, and so it was cool because I got to work on a lot of my own stuff. I got to get clear on my own vision for my life. I got to receive a ton of coaching around my own blocks, my mm-hmm. own kind of belief systems that could use upgrading. So I did a lot of that on that inner work, a lot of the shadow work in that period as well.
0: Uh-huh. And and this was setting up the context for I assume the startup that happened around what yeah, year so was that? Yeah, it was
1: 2012. 2012. I met my co-founder uh-huh. and he we hit it off. I turned him on to cold showers. And a a body weight training app called you are your own gym by this guy, Mark Lauren, mm. that's phenomenal body weight training. He used to train the special ops in body weight strength training. And I was super into that and it was digging cold showers and it all kind of converged. And I, I told him about this and he loved it. And we started connecting a little bit more. He told me what he was up to. And I was asking for his help on, I was running a webinar called supercharged of how to, how to, how, like for basically helping entrepreneurs understand that energy management, not time management is the key to performance.
2: Hmm.
1: And then I'm asking him, what does he need help with? He's like, well, I just literally yesterday launched this company, 15 five, and all these people are signing up and I need somebody to coach them. Hmm. And do you, he's like, do you know anybody that could help? And it was really, it was a funny moment because I I swear, I saw two diverging paths open up before me.
0: Right there as he asked you question. Right there as he
1: asked that question. And I knew, fuck, that sounds like me. I kind of want to do that. Yeah. But then it was like, don't be presumptuous. Don't, don't like (laughs) be rude and self-serving or whatever it was. Mm. You know, I could say thanks. I'll think about it. I'll, I'll try to, I'll think of if I know anybody and kind of do the polite thing. Right. Or say, well, you know what? That sounds like me. <laughs> Let's talk. <laughs> yeah.
0: Wait, by, by this time point in time, had you already taken landmark? Yes. Okay. Yeah. did that come into play there by any chance or,
1: uh, was it present in that moment? Uh, maybe not. Maybe not. Well, well, what's funny is that my my co-founder had also done landmark about the same time that I had, which mm. was in 2008. Got it. And so uh, maybe, maybe not. I don't know. Not okay. in my mind, it's not a central part of that narrative.
0: You had a chance. So, so going back to your story, so, so you saw these two possibilities and you took this one where you're like very yeah, it was present. Like, I'm going to be bold, basically yeah. bold and Being presumptuous. Bold. Yeah. 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 And uh, I, You know, that is something that I personally feel we could all use a little more of. You know, a lot of times we're a little too nice and a little too just mellow sometimes, especially when it comes to our careers or, you know, doing things in our life. Absolutely. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, right. And that's that was the big lesson there is that, like, if I hadn't asked for what I wanted, if I hadn't been bold and presumptuous, my life would look very different. And who knows? Maybe... You know, I'm sure that would have been another beautiful life. But building this company over the last eight years has been one of the single greatest blessings of my life. Mm. It, is, it is it has called me so much deeper into my purpose, into the clarity of purpose, yeah. into giving me the opportunity to take on a large responsibility it be granted trust to do yeah. it. And then to bring everything, all the tools that I've collected along the, the weird ass paths that I've traveled and bring them to the table and apply them in building a different kind of a company, which is now informing the model that we have built to go out and help other people build a different kind of company to create transformative cultures. Mm. You know, it's just, it blows my mind. I, I, and I count g- my lucky stars every day. Yeah, around
0: this. Yeah, yeah, and 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 just going back to that. I mean, just I'm my mind's blown because of this pivotal moment that you just described, where you were you were bold and presumptuous. I just want to go back to that because I I think maybe we can explore that for a second. Just you know, what are the ways you see? people can be encouraged to do that. Do you encourage that in your company? Yeah, right yeah,
1: absolutely. So look, I mean, part of it is getting deliberate about who do we want to be. And one of my one of my favorite exercises that I'll lead, uh, you know, I, I, I still coach the random CEO here and there and, you know, coach, like what's interesting is that all the training that I did as a coach permeates everything I do. Hmm. You know, it, it surprised me, which it shouldn't be that much of a surprise, but one of the best Ways that you can prepare to be an executive is to be an executive coach.
2: Hmm.
1: One of the best ways to be a manager is to learn coaching. And it's so funny because even 10 years ago, coaching was still fairly fringe. Right. It wasn't as nearly as mainstream as it is now. Right. And now it's it's become heavily normalized. Yeah. yeah. And it's so cool because, you know, we're building all these trainings of how to how to manage like a coach. How to train your managers to think like coaches instead of just taskmasters, but how do you ask, ask questions to elicit people's own innovation and own resourcefulness?
2: Yeah,
1: yeah. And so one of my favorite techniques or, or exercises to run with people is what I call core desired feeling states. And it's a really cool place that, to begin when you're working with somebody who maybe you think that they would benefit from more confidence. Mm. Or from more boldness. Or you've just done landmark and you're like, holy shit, I actually can live in, in possibility and I don't have to put my past into my future and I can actually declare who I am. Right.
0: Yeah, there's this this boldness aspect. I just love it because I, I know people who are sometimes just maybe not bold and it might be because they, they're just not in that state right then and there you know what i've seen is that you you look at a person and you think oh okay they're not bold but then it just comes out you know you never know and a lot of people have a lot of potential so so i totally believe that there's that potential to be bold is in everyone yeah but perhaps there's this inertia of just being kind of in the you know in the background and just kind of like You know, just going with someone else's flow, playing someone else's game, and people just get used to it. So, so it just requires this whip of like
1: absolutely, and that's it's it's interesting because (laughs) sometimes you don't even know that's coming
0: Mm, for yourself.
1: Yeah, 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 exactly. The thing that is going to elicit and inspire our boldness, we might have to respond to a situation, and that is what awakens our boldness. You know, like I'm, I'm convinced who I am now, I wouldn't be the same if I hadn't been tasked with building this company for the last eight years. It was a unique situation that somebody believed in me and saw my potential and then put a lot of responsibility on my plate. And I was able to take it and run with it, Mm. but I wasn't, it wasn't on my list of things to do to start a company. You know, there's a a lot of entrepreneurs and bless their hearts who are like very determined and very clear. They want to start their own company. Right. That wasn't me. Mm -hmm. And yet it's been one of the most challenging and the most incredible things that I've ever done and will continue to do, you know, every day it's another level to have to step up to.
0: Mm -hmm. So yeah, go ahead.
1: Oh, well just that, Starting to get clear that, okay, maybe I do want to be more bold. You know, if somebody, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, oh yeah, I've, I've had opportunities pass me that I could have reached out and snatched, but I didn't because of timidity, because of, you know, what people, some people might think I'm a presumptuous asshole.
0: And while this is going on, the opportunity just
1: (laughs) wished by. And so one of my favorite things to do is just have people start to name how do you want to feel, what ways of being do you want to cultivate more in your life? And it's actually an exercise I stole from Brendan Burchard, hmm. which is a, and it's a really powerful thing. And you, so you basically brainstorm a bunch of different ways of being and adjectives and feeling states that you want more of in your life. And you boil it all down to three so that you then have your three core desired feeling states. Hmm. And you write that shit on a wall and you think about it, you contemplate it, and it becomes this true north because we have all these strategies of, you know, we typically do the things in our life in order to feel a certain way. Even wanting to have purpose in our life is to lead to a feeling state. Mm
0: -hmm. Agreed. Yeah.
1: And so what's so cool is you can bypass a lot of that and start practicing the feeling now. And that's a whole, you know, kind of transformational paradigm instead of, you know, the, if you go out and you do the thing, then you can have the thing and then you can feel the thing, but you can flip the script instead of have, do, be, you actually go into be, do, have. Mm. So you start to shift your internal state immediately and then you start doing things, and then you start having things.
0: So the be part, the, the feeling part, the desired feeling states, are you saying that with the right techniques, you could just get into any state regardless of the, the do and the have?
1: Pretty much. And and it's a process. Mm-hmm. It al- almost acts as more of a, a compass. So maybe... so. You know, about 11 or 12 years ago, I chose three words. I did this process in, mm-hmm. in, a, in a workshop. Mm-hmm. And what I came up with was like the, the qualities of being, the ways of being, I want to cultivate more in my life. I reduced down to three words, awake, competent, and loving. Because
2: mm-hmm.
1: when I'm awake and awake means so many things to me, awake is spiritually awake. Awake is physically awake, energetically awake, emotionally awake. Mm. Competent is, you know, I've struggled with incompetence. I've struggled with that sitting in front of the spreadsheet at two o'clock in the afternoon as my eyes are closing because I hate this shit and I don't feel good at it. And competence was really about, I want to feel my competence. I want to do things that I feel like I can do well. And then, loving, which is living life from an open heart, seeing through the eye of my heart
0: and so as you as you distill down to these three, are you you're looking at them and you're, you're these words and you're you're contemplating you're imagining how it feels to be in that state, or are you actually feeling it B-
1: either or okay. <laughs> you know you start wherever you can, mm. but what's so interesting is I mean, I wrote those yeah I think I said eleven years ago, I think it was about that. they and they still remain to be the three anchors that I use.
2: Mm.
1: I still I haven't changed them. I've tried updating and getting new words, and I'm like, no, those are good, man, because there's infinite levels of awakeness. There's infinite levels of competence. There's infinite levels of loving, right? And they never get old. Mm. I don't get tired of feeling away, competent, loving. It's still so damn good. And so, but what's cool is that I am more, my center of gravity is way more in those three states than it was 11 years ago. Mm. And what it does is it increases the contrast because all of a sudden you actually know how you want to feel. And so when I'm not feeling competent, I know, and I can just be like, oh, right all right, I'm feeling incompetent right now. I want to feel competent. And that instantly helps me actually start shifting my direction towards what will have me feel competent. Mm. Okay, great, well then get back on the horse. Try again,
2: mm.
1: don't give up. Mm. Cultivate a little more grit. Loving, uh, right, I'm pissed at my brother for being an asshole to me and me feeling like he's an asshole. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's not being an asshole. Him, maybe, maybe, you know, I could do a little NVC on that. Yeah. When you did this, it made me feel. And so, you know, like, and so, you know, I can, it helps me better locate the places where I'm not feeling loving. And it doesn't mean I have to immediately shift into loving, but it just brings greater awareness of what isn't loving in my life. Right, and then over time, it's just it's like water over a rock. It just slowly erodes. Yeah, and so after eleven years of this, it's like yeah, like I I feel so incredibly blessed to be in a state of loving most of the time in my life, and that makes all the difference.
0: There's also this power of uh, compounding interest. I see. You know, it's been eleven years. You know, it's not like you had to do. A crazy amount of things on day one but over time this has accrued, and absolutely here you are absolutely yeah
1: and i think that's a big piece of the the journey of discovering my purpose has been that it there's been moments there's been peak moments that have really shed light on it but it's been an accumulative process mm.
2: mm-hmm. it
1: has been the uh, approaching it from a lot of different angles have all led to a place where feeling like yeah this is this is the light. I feel so incredibly happy with the life that I'm living. And that's, it's something that It's interesting. I'm doing a, i am doing I just signed up for this course called life book and mm. it's uh it's offered through mind Valley. Okay. And yeah. it's a cool program yeah. and it starts uh, in a couple of weeks. And one of the things that are there, they really have you go through is looking at 12 dimensions of life. So, you know, Career, finance, emotions, relationships, like life, vision, health, physical health, spirituality, yada, 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 yada. And you'll go through and run a rate yourself. And they talk about how how few people on the planet actually are successful in all these dimensions. Mm. You know, a lot of people maybe make a lot of money, but their relationships are horrible or their relationships are great, but their health is failing, or all the, you know, different, different things. And it was kind of this interesting experience because I'm like, holy shit. I'm, I'm high marks in all of them. Hmm. And it was actually interesting. It was, it was, it was doing that out the, I got the lowest, I gave myself the lowest marks actually for my marriage. Oh. Which was really like kind of an uncomfortable thing because it was like shit because I was in the middle of kind of a, a little weird period of, of having a little crunchiness and tightness in my marriage and, and that 99% commitment I was talking about earlier. And it was actually in seeing that and realizing what is usually one of the strongest elements of my life, which is my relationship, I was feeling the, the least fulfilled. And it was that awareness that helped me then shift And realize, wait, well, that's freaking silly because I want an extraordinary relationship. And this is the woman to have an extraordinary relationship with. Like, I already have my woman. It's actually just me sitting, holding back a little bit. Mm. And then, boom, shifted that. And then, boom.
0: I see. That was that moment.
1: Totally. Yeah. It just, Whoa.
0: Was that instantaneous? Yeah, like, it was. These, okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It was a decision. Uh, it was a choice that I yeah. made uh. to go back into a hundred percent. Yeah. And it doesn't mean that I won't ever f- slip out of that, but you know, it, it's what's so great is that I've learned this lesson a couple of times. And I feel like the time to remembering that is shorter and shorter.
2: With, and, practice. And, yeah, with practice.
1: Yeah, with practice. And that's why I think taking an, an integral, integrative, multifaceted approach to our life and to our purpose is the jam. Because we aren't going to just end up externally fulfilled and we fulfilled our purpose and we saved the world. But whoa, I'm not happy. I did everything. I accomplished everything I thought I wanted. And yet, I still have that ache in my heart, that thirst. Mm. Yeah. Or we can, you know, pursue just a internal path, and you know, be deeply fulfilled yeah. and deeply happy, but also not have the relationship that we want. Or we always kind of screw up our relationships and we sabotage them, or and you know, we we're still. In you know, kind of uh, subsistence around our finances. And, you know, I mean, if you're going to do one or the other, I mean, I guess, you know, have the be happy and broke rather yeah. than like, you know, rich and unhappy.
0: Yeah. Miserable and locked into in your yeah. own little palace.
1: But, you know, we can have it all. We can be fulfilled and have our finances together and have a great sex life and raise an amazing family and, you know, participate in the regeneration of the world. We can actually do this. And part of it is loosening up our imagination so we can even imagine all these things are possible.
0: Hmm. And I guess when, when you are in a place where things are optimal in that way, you have a lot of capacity to potentially go out there and help the world. And as you talked about world regeneration, let's go there for a second. How, what are you doing in that regard? And where's the juice coming for that from?
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, as one world is dying, another is being born. You know, we're in a monumentally transitionary state on this planet. You know, look around. It's, it's both terrifying and, unbelievably exciting. And I think that one of the best things that we can do is we can, is to transmute our own fear, our own dramatic worldview of thinking everything's falling apart and actually start to get a little more rooted in an accurate worldview. And one of the best ways that I would recommend doing that is read a book called factfulness, 10 reasons why the world's not as bad as you think it is. Mm. Something like that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I think uh, phenomenal book. Phenomenal
1: book. Yeah, and it's it. It doesn't deny that there aren't very serious problems, but it also illuminates how much is good right now. And I really don't think we can actually effectively solve the problems that we are facing collectively without being clear that everything isn't going wrong directionally, there's a lot of really good news right now.
0: Yeah, I mean, you can be in the world where you're actually being from a place of fear or being a place uh, where you're actually looking at everything as it is and there are good things. Yeah, Actually, yeah. I- I'd rather choose that reality because I can actually make more of an impact.
1: And it's not just fantasy. <laughs> you it's know not like, just fantasy. Like, like you said, it's actually seeing what is yeah. rather than only seeing the the disaster. Yeah. And so I think that's a that's a for me
0: Focusing on the I D's don't, I
1: don't trust anybody that doesn't that can't hold the good mm-hmm. with the bad. Right. I'm like, oh you're only able to look at the bad on the planet right now. Don't trust you. Mm. I like I just I'm like cool like I know you think what you're saying is really important, but I I, I, I need people who have the larger perspective. That's who I'm going to be interested in listening to.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: All right, to that end, then I think that building community is a really important piece of this this time right now. Being connected to the people who are holding this ideal for a better world, mm. who are living it, who are embodying it, who are right. operating from a... A frequency that isn't just fear, right isn't just the shadow states of human consciousness, right, but that is actually coming from this more open hearted place space of possibility and yeah, recognition of both the good and the bad, but aren't perpetuating it from their own way of being. Mm. There's how do we create large- scale societal shifts? You know, that's part of what I'm trying to do with my company is can we transform business culture at large from one of command and control and motivation by fear to one of a service based model where you flip the org chart, where the executives are working for the employees, where you are, where the servant becomes the served and actually have high levels of trust, high levels of connection, which I think start to shift human consciousness. I think it really does create transformation in the people, whatever culture we're a part of penetrates us at many, many levels and influences the rest of our lives. So if we can start to shift the the world of work in a very positive direction from, you know, 70% disengaged Right now is what Gallup says. Oh, wow. To 70% engaged. Yeah. People actually able to start to discover some of their purpose inside of companies to cultivate esteem, create a sense of belonging. I think that can have a very large scale impact. There's, you know, and it's like we can't solve. I'd love to run, create, you know, energy companies at some point. I'd love to create a, you know, psychedelic healing spa at some point where you start to actually go in and start healing trauma and helping people clear out the gunk out of their system so they can actually live a a clearer life. All of those things are really fun projects. And right now I'm really focused on what's in front of me. Mm. And then also, you know, building, building it in my own life, you know, and, and trying to for the most part, do what I still think are symbolic acts of sustainability and restoration of, you know, curbing carbon emissions and sourcing local food. And, you know, I just installed solar on the house and that's cool. And I can drive on sunshine and, you know, that's pretty freaking cool. And I think that they're, for the most part, still symbolic gestures and that there is large, there's, If we're going to make it through this century, largely intact, there needs to be such large scale changes. And if we don't, I still think that the system is going to correct itself. And maybe there's large population fluctuations, but a new world is actively being uh, incubated right now.
0: Right, right. Yeah. And a lot of these changes happen. They start at a personal level and it sounds like what you're talking about is uh, with these ideas of potentially uh helping the individuals clear out their gunk is to, you know, seed that change. Yeah, you know, I mean,
1: you know, our the ex our external world is a reflection of our internal world. The world we see outside of ourselves is is a projection of our own internal reality. And that's, that's a whole other nuanced conversation. Of course, it's not as simple as that, and yet it is.
0: Right. Yeah, it's just occurred to me that a lot of things we've been talking about, there's so many nuances in there. If we wanted, we could probably go in there for a while. And But there's one thing I do want to touch on is we, we were talking about briefly before we started recording about responsibility mm. and how that plays a role. You know, do you see yourself? What I a s- pain in the ass yeah. responsibility is. <laughs> yeah, let's, let's go there. So yeah. I'm so curious. I say responsibility, your face lights up. What's up with that?
1: yeah, what is up with that? Yeah. Who am I? Uh, <laughs> it is interesting. I think that part of why it lights up is that i that learning to not fear responsibility, learning to embrace responsibility of our lives of taking on the responsibility for our family our our homes our our companies our our world makes us stronger now we want to make sure that we're not already compromised because you know, it's one thing to go to the gym and do some squat presses and that's, you know, that's kind of taking on responsibility. You're putting weight on your shoulders and you're lifting it. But if you're compromised, meaning that your posture isn't right and your legs bowed out in the incorrect way, that responsibility will hurt you. Hmm. Yeah. And so finding proper alignment and you could say proper alignment to our purpose to our lives to the way we're wired and then stacking that responsibility on our shoulders that's how it's actually going to make us stronger and so not shying away from you know we were talking a little bit earlier of like the the festy kid that's just like screw all responsibility and right. I'm going to go vagabond and live a life completely free of responsibility. And albeit there is there are things that that makes possible that are impossible in a with, with more of the tethered life. Right. And again like you know so much of this is internal too so going on the road and traveling without a care of the world doesn't mean you're actually letting go of all responsibility. Maybe it does, but maybe you're actually taking on even a deeper responsibility and you're actually learning to take responsibility for yourself.
0: Yeah. You're taking care of yourself in a, in a way that maybe it doesn't follow a certain, you know, preconceived set of, you know, whatever templates there are for, Oh, this is how you do it. Absolutely. You're taking care of yourself. And,
1: And then maybe when that cycle is complete then you're like all right i'm going to i'm going to take on a mortgage and a and a relationship and because i didn't compromise my heart's desires because i didn't just go along with the crowd and get the job when i was supposed to when society told me i would then i'm not living this life that feels like a lie because i know there was another path I could have taken and it would have produced a different result. And Oh God, did I make a giant mistake? Right. And so it's, it's, it's impossible to say what that is for anyone in person. We can't make judgments about somebody else because we don't know. We don't know their path.
0: We don't know that
1: even the things that look like horrible decisions could be the, the gold that's going to produce an incredible life for them.
0: And at the same time, if someone's listening to this and they're they're feeling beat up, they're feeling like nothing's going right. Sounds like go take care of yourself. It's it's that's being responsible. Take care of yourself.
1: Yeah, it starts with you. If you're getting your ass kicked by life, go deeper into why you know what's going on here. Where's this shit coming from? Yeah. How can you do the deeper inner work? How can you? dive into those shadows and, yeah, and start yeah. you know, actually working with them rather than just being a victim of them, thinking you're a victim of them, thinking you're a victim of the world, and actually start thinking, okay, well, what is this actually teaching me? What is the lesson here?
0: And perhaps even more fundamental than that would be looking at whether you're assuming you deserve this bad luck in life. Because a lot of times, you know, people just have this, I've had this, you know, like, I think I deserve nothing better. This is, okay, if it's hard yeah. and it's suffering, okay, this is what I deserve, this is what I'm worth. So any of that other, those other things, self-care and questioning and inquiry, that doesn't even occur to me because I know that that's, I don't deserve that. You
1: know? And that's, that's where having good friends come in. That's where mm. being in... doing work that is going to have you challenge your own beliefs and assumptions is so critical
0: having the community yeah having community yeah
1: and you know that can be hard if you don't when you don't know where community is you know it's when you don't aren't invited to the party it's hard to know that the party's happening right (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> or, or you just uh, knew about it, never got invited. Right, that would totally. suck. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's the
1: worst. I yeah. I'd, I'd way rather not know about the party and yeah. not be invited. But, you know, it's you got to you got to just search and you'll find, right? Like we've never had a more accessible to every piece of wisdom and knowledge and course and transformational opportunity than we do now. Yeah. Yeah. And so, in a way, it's kind of like Google that shit. Yeah. Like, go, <laughs> you know, I said life book. Go freaking take the life book. Go do Landmark. Go, you know, there's so much out there. Yeah. There's thousands of other opportunities. Yeah. But you have to have the motivation. You have to have the willingness to step outside of the limited worldview that's led you to where you are now
0: because you deserve it you you deserve to actually have that
1: yeah, yeah. and yeah, yeah absolutely yeah. i thought you were saying you deserve oh, yeah. <laughs> it because you, you deserve <laughs> you know. to have your life kicked by ass oh no 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 Jazzwall, uh, you're such a <laughs> sadist
0: yeah, it's just just a seasonal thing. Yeah. <laughs> no, you 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 deserve to go out there and find out for yourself and you deserve a better life. You deserve
1: uh You, to o- be you happy. only deserve it if you think you do.
0: Exactly. And that's yeah. a weird thing. And it, it comes down to it's a funny cuz
1: I don't think that anybody deserves anything. It's not like we're born as, you know, the whole idea of human beings have the right to pursue happiness and liberty. I'm like, that's a cool idea, but it's just an idea. Right. It's not some shit we made up. It's a fiction.
0: Yeah. I, I was more referring to going out there and taking a course or going out there and doing things to improve your life. If If someone's asking, why should I do this? Because at a very fundamental level... I'm not going to do it for some reason, you know, I'm like, well, maybe because you, you deserve to actually do that. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that's there for you, you know, yeah. make a choice. Yeah. You know, so. And it
1: is that choice. Yeah. Like it's that choice. Life presents a s- continual series of choices.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So may we choose well, may we choose well. Yeah. Well, Shane, it's it's been about hour and 30 minutes and any thank you so much for amazing words of wisdom and sharing and i i feel like we just skimmed the surface right now and perhaps we could do another one of these at some point in the near future
1: yeah there's a lot of uh, f- fun fun threads we could go totally we could pull yeah. on a little further this is
0: yeah any parting words for whoever's listening
1: it's going to be a wild decade Mm. We think that a lot of change happened in the last 10 years, buckle your (laughs) seatbelt, build your community, deepen your friendships, tell the people you love that you love them, lean into the wildness of this life and let's, let's make it an incredible decade. Let's make it one where we're paying attention to the goodness of the world and not just what's wrong. And right. uh, let us nourish that with our attention. Let us nourish our loved ones, our relationships. Let us uh, be that beacon of light in the world.
0: Oh, my God. We could do another episode on the wild decade that's about to yeah, come. 2020. 2020s. Oh, my God. Happy New Year, man. Likewise. Happy yeah. New Year. All right, people. Thank you so much for listening. Goodbye.